Okay, all right, we're live. Hello, everybody. So we're back. So uh, I have a really exciting new video today. I'm joined by Sydney, uh, is it Volpe? Is that how you say your last name? Yeah. Volpe, cool. Very cool last name. Um, yeah, and so we've been talking and uh, she's really into M. Night Shyamalan and I'm uh, a bit of a Shyamalan fan for sure, myself. And so we decided, you know, like I'd been wanting to do a series of films just like talking about directors and so we're here doing a, a video talking about M. Night Shyamalan's films. It's really exciting. Yeah, um, I'm super excited. He's definitely up there as one of my favorite directors and I've wanted to do kind of a deep dive into his stuff for a while now. So I'm excited. Yeah. Cool. So Sydney, why don't you just like introduce yourself a bit, just talk about, you know, what you do on YouTube and other social media sites and you know, what, uh, I guess what, what made you want to do this video? Um, so yeah, I'm Sydney. Um, can see my info in Ibrahim's uh, YouTube video, but I am kind of just like a casual cinephile. You can find me on Letterboxd or YouTube. I do a lot of movie reviews. I've done a couple of ranking videos and I'm kind of just in a stage where I'm really trying to like learn as much as I can about film and connecting with a lot of people online and getting their opinions on stuff. And um, I wanted to do this video because, like I said, M. Night and Paul Thomas Anderson are probably tied as my favorite director. Um, I've been watching his films since I was really little, and he's had kind of a big impact on how I view film. Um, and I just think he's such an interesting filmmaker. He has probably one of the most interesting, like, up and down filmographies um, that you could possibly talk about. And so I'm super excited to get into it. Yeah, it's a real interesting roller coaster, but there's a lot of good stuff and interesting stuff. And I think, um, you know, when we talk about it, I think there's some some films that I think people will probably reevaluate at some point in the future. Um, and we'll kind of talk about like our feelings on some of the films after rewatching them. Yeah. Um, cool. So yeah, this is exciting. So let's just start kind of what kind of go over some films a little bit more in detail than others. Um, and so I know that both, so like the first film he ever actually did that he directed was this movie Praying With Anger. <laughs> and I know both, it's like, you can barely find it, but it's actually on YouTube. Watch it in like negative 12K. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like 240p and it's like a box <laughs> like this. Yes. Uh, it's like made for for television basically, but yeah. someone recorded it on a VHS and then they put that onto YouTube. Uh -huh. It's a bummer too, because it looked like it was a pretty film. I think he's, yeah. he's really good at just making really beautiful films. And yeah, shame that that's kind of been lost yeah. to the world. So I think what's interesting, we'll kind of breeze over this film a little bit, but I think what's interesting about it is like, uh, one of the things that M. Night does a lot is like, there's these films that kind of reflect a point in his life. Now this one is very like semi-autobiographical, so it's very much so like that. And when we talk about some of the other films, like there are things where basically certain characters in the story kind of reflect, you know, someone he's like in his family or like if he had a, like a young son or a young daughter, there's a young daughter in the film. Um, and this film's kind of like that, like, but it's about him. He yeah. stars in the film and it's about, you know, this guy, uh, Indian American guy goes to India and, you know, basically falls in love. It's this fish out of water love story. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I know, you know, both of us kind of watched a little bit of this, like, what, what I guess, what were your feelings on this film? And like, what, it, what'd, what'd you learn about it, about him from it? 
Yeah. Um, it was definitely his first film, <laughs> but it was not nearly as bad as I was expecting. Um, I thought that it definitely, I actually kind of liked how it, it, it just was really true to some of the other themes that he's tackled throughout like his entire career, kind of just dealing with love and religion. Um, and I thought he was just uh, vulnerable with it. He's also a pretty good actor. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I just watched it today, so I haven't really had time to gather my mm -hmm. thoughts about it, but I kind of liked it. I liked how it was kind of just a movie about humans and how he's kind of experiencing this extreme of love and extreme of anger. And also this kind of subplot that he has with his relationship with his dad, who I guess <laughs> was really hard on him, had these really high expectations for him and he interpreted that as his dad not really loving him. And it turned out that his dad just didn't really know how to express that. And he kind of came to terms with that after his dad's death. Uh, death. I actually thought it was pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah, he really, like, I think the thing for me that I find most interesting about him is, like, generally speaking, like, a lot of these films, like, there's a big high-concept premise or something. Right. Basically. But at the heart of every film, there's some type of very strong, emotional, human story that's yeah. there and the human story is just always really well done the way that he uh kind of lays out the theme of his films and i think that's something that's kind of like a lot of people got obsessed with the plot twist stuff and right. they just ignored everything else yeah you know um but he's really good at the drama he is. I, I totally agree. I was just saying that to someone today that I feel like because he kind of came out with The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, people were so obsessed, like you said, with these twists that he was doing, and he just got put into that box. And so all of the rest of his films were kind of being evaluated uh, with that criteria. And then with something like The Village, which we can talk about later, that I love, I feel like all anyone ever says about it is, oh, I didn't like the twist. It's like, okay, but there's so much else going on in that film that I think is like really powerful and really well written. Yeah, I, th I think the problem is like people, they got to this point where they like, they, they so, the, and we'll talk about this too with like Lady in the Water. There's a certain type of person who has a sort of superiority complex over the artist. And it's like, oh, well, I figured that out like within 10 minutes of the movie. Mm -hmm. So, the movie is totally worthless and it's like well no actually you missed the whole point yeah the movie. you yeah. missed the whole point because it's not about the twist the twist is just like this this thing that creates a a playground for the theme yeah and you missed the theme so you actually missed the whole point of the movie uh-huh yeah and i think that yeah re-watching the village the other day i kind of knowing what the twist was allowed me to kind of go back and uh make a lot more sense of what the characters were doing and it actually i think added to the film for me um yeah kind of knowing what was going on behind these characters decisions yeah um yeah so yeah so that was his first film and then he does the second film called wide awake which is like uh it's a miramax movie but it, it really comes off as like a kind of like disney comedy family drama thing uh-huh but again this is another film so like he was also in catholic school so like this was something 
it was kind of a, you know, he, he wanted to do the story because it was kind of a part of his life. And it was just a way for him to, like, do something that kind of comments on that period in, in, of time. Um, so it's interesting that he's always like, hmm, how can I take parts of my life <laughs> and they kind of, like, put it into my film um, in some kind of a way? Yeah. And, like, have myself in the background somewhere. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love the cameos. I guess I get why some people think it's <laughs> – why some people wouldn't like it. But, yeah, I, I do I, – I really like how all his themes are informed by kind of his own life experiences and how his religion is kind of always has, like, this kind of – there's always a bit of a religious undertone, even if it's not Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So then, in 1999, he does The Sixth Sense. Mm -hmm. And the Sixth Sense was like huge deal, yeah, um, huge deal. I mean, uh, I definitely remember at the time, like, yeah, it had it, it. You know, like there's there's a lot of times there's like those movies where people say just watch it, don't don't listen to anything about it, just watch the movie. Uh, the Sixth Sense was one of those movies mm -hmm. where people were like, okay, just watch this movie, just watch it, you're gonna be blown away. And yeah, I mean. Um, the twist really, really blew people's minds. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe the, the twist has been preserved this long. I know people who have watched it recently that were like, yeah, the ending has never been spoiled for me. It's like this unspoken rule in society, like you just never talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it's so funny too, because like, it's so kind of almost blatant, right? Because that whole scene, like Haley Joel Osment, who's amazing, by the way. He's so good. Well, one of the absolute best child actors and he is incredible in this film uh he says directly to his face i see dead people <laughs> and not not only that but he says like spoiler oh, alert. No yeah watching. yeah yeah for anybody who hasn't seen his films spoiler alert uh i see dead people he's looking right at right at him and he says you know dead people they don't see each other and they only see what they want to see i mean it's like it's all laid out right there, but we're yeah. so, we're so like, because, and it's so smart because like, since he's the protagonist, we're seeing the world through his point of view. Right. We think, oh, he's just this guy trying to help this kid and this kid, there might, there probably is something. So, well, what we think is that he doesn't get it. He doesn't get, this kid really does have this supernatural, mm -hmm. supernatural power and that he's going to have to do something else to help him. Um, but yeah, it's brilliant. It's super brilliant the way that he pulled it, it is. off. Yeah. I know. Almost like. Arguably, it's not good to start off with something that incredible because, again, like you get held to this yes. standard. I just saw something, an article about the Teton director was saying, after I came out with Raw and it was received so well, I sat down at my computer every day for a year and I just wrote nothing because I was so mm. afraid like with all these expectations <laughs> that were put on me. Um, and so I think that's super real. But he was able to follow it up with a couple more films mm -hmm. that were received. Yeah. He was, and he was basically anointed after The Sixth Sense, yeah. for sure. Like, he was, because he had been doing, you know, we kind of talked about this before, but, like, he he, he was a good writer. Um, and he, he came up in, this was an era where, I guess you would call it the script-to-screen era. I guess you could call it something like that. But, like, basically, screenwriters that were really good had a lot of power. Right. And there was this sort of belief that, okay, if this guy can write and we should just let him dress because like, you know, guys like Quentin Tarantino, um, there's a bunch of people who were like the writer director and they were putting out really good material. And so they were like, 
okay, this, this, you know, this is the future. We need to find these people who can both write and direct and they're going to deliver for us, basically. Interesting. I didn't know that was kind of like an era that happened then. Yeah. So like in the eighties and nineties, um, <clears throat> it was the, the, basically the height of like the spec script era is the way I would put it. So like people would sell a script. We're talking about five, $10 million mm -hmm. just for the script. Um, and I remember, I think it was like, I forget exactly what the first one was, but the guy who wrote Lethal Weapon and also Predator, he was he was doing uh, Shane Black, I think. Yeah, he was like, like, and, and it, you were you were making ten million dollars just to write a script. Yeah, that's crazy. not even not even doing anything else. So, and that was just the way that the era was. Uh, there was just a high demand for it, the highest basically ever. Mm -hmm. We haven't returned to those type of numbers really, um, <clears throat> and finding the writer director was like even more a valuable commodity. So him making this, they were like, and also like the direction's really good. Yeah. The direction's really good. The themes are really good. Like the, the use of color and stuff. You can tell that he's really thought out the whole idea of how to thematically present this world visually. Right. So yeah. Um, yeah, is there anything else you want to bring up in the, with The Sixth Sense about this film, about the direction and the writing? No, that's one of the ones that I, like, I revisited a lot of his stuff. That's actually one that I haven't gotten back to, but, I mean, everyone knows that it's just, like, yeah. such an iconic film. Yeah, it's, and it's definitely seen as, like, his best film, um, I yeah. think, amongst yeah. critics actually, and, yeah. you know. Universally. Okay, and this, so then the next year, um, so he writes Unbreakable. And again, this is another one that sold really well. So like, I think he was paid like 5 million to write it and 5 million to direct it. Um, and the budget was like 75 million. And yeah, so then this film, this is, this is probably my favorite of his films, I think I'd say. Okay. Uh, I think it's really, really, really well done. I think this film is like, say about 15 years ahead of its time, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. It's, it's way ahead of it. Because like at the time, in the year 2000, I think did X-Men? I think X-Men the first one came out in the year 2000, I think. Definitely. Um yeah, or like one or two years away from that, but it was around that time, I think. Yeah. So this is like before superhero movies are really like they're basically a joke to be honest. Yeah. Like half of them half of them are like okay. Half of them are terrible. Like just flat out terrible. Um yeah. like no one had figured out the genre yet what it what it needed to become. We wouldn't figure that out for another decade, really. I mean, it was basically right. until Iron Man and Dark Knight came out. <clears throat> and Iron yeah. Was Iron Man 2008? I, yes, I, I'm pretty sure they came out both in the same year, yeah. Okay. Um, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of crazy. So yeah, I mean, like, so the MCU is not a thing. Um, <laughs> X-Men movie hadn't come out yet. Even the Spider-Man movies hadn't come out yet. So like this is way before we have any real idea of what the genre would be, and this movie's really really good. Yeah, it's really well, good because almost in a, in the way that it wasn't really a superhero movie, you know, it's it's still so real and so grounded and something that I almost like long for in the superhero movies that we get today. I think he was such a genius for that, and like you said, ahead of his time. Um, just so cool. I know, like, unprecedented for yeah. the time that this came out. 
Yeah, and it's interesting too that he he does this as his second film when he has all this clout. I mean, he could have done anything, and he decides to make this like um, deconstruction, or I, I don't even know. I don't even know if deconstruction is the word I would use. It, it's it's like a retelling of the mythos in a way because he really really like you know again this is why I think this film would hit so differently today is that you look at this film and you say oh this is just a different telling of the superhero origin story. Mm. I mean, that's really what it is. And it's just that, you know, uh, um, I think Quentin Tarantino, like the way that he presented it is like, what if Superman didn't know that he was Superman? Right. That's kind of like the idea of this film. If there's a person who has these powers who doesn't know that they do. What would that person's life be like? What would what would happen? Um, and it's, yeah, it's just so brilliant. And again, there's a lot of the themes, like, like we were talking before, like these themes of like water and the colors. So like, David Dunn is presented as sort of like, he's wearing all these greens and these kind of darkish greens. And um, Elijah wears purple, it's like royal purple. And they're like these opposing forces. And then there's there's these other, again, the same kind of color theory that comes in with the, the color red and stuff like that. People that do evil are wearing red. And like the guy who he has to fight at the end is wearing an orange jumpsuit. Right. Um, yeah, I just think this film is so brilliant in the way that it, presents it and it's just you know you watch that scene at the end where he like he like chokes out the guy in the jumpsuit and it's just him you know doing a yeah he's just he's choking a guy out and it's like the greatest <laughs> most climactic thing ever it's like oh my god this is like i'm seeing i'm seeing a real life superhero come into the into yeah. into into his his own power and it's breathtaking but the dude you know yeah go ahead <laughs> I wish I could go back and see it like when it came out, not having like Marvel and everything. And I yeah. wish I that we mentioned color theory back with the sixth sense too, with his use of red. The red um, yeah. in that movie. Something that's not even detectable until you kind of go back in. Yeah. Um but yeah, I'm like with Unbreakable, it's just so cool. And just like the kind of family drama aspects that are going along with it and the fact that if I'm remembering correctly, he had this whole trilogy planned out while he was writing Unbreakable. I yeah, I believe that he, when he originally wrote this, the character for Split was in the film, but then he kind of siphoned him out. Oh, right, right, right. I remember seeing that. Yeah, but I know. So, like, those, just those moments where they're like, wait, that's right. Like, you've never really been sick, and, like, you've never gotten hurt, and the whole thing with, like, him in the pool, and, like, yeah. And so, and like the stuff with his son, and his son is like deeply believes that his dad is like you know, uh, is is definitely a superhero. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really sweet. And then like yeah, there's so many good moments. Um, what's really like the opening is really well done, where he's on the train, and then it's going really fast, and he comes out of the uh, the accident, and he's un unscathed, and we see like this person dying the last and he's the only one to live and then you immediately can tell that there's some familiar conflict because his wife they wouldn't even hold hands basically right. and he's and and everyone everyone else is dead and and they just they just still don't really love each other yeah it, it which is really like and that's another thing like we never think of our superheroes as people who like have marital conflict you know yeah. I know everything always like ends up, up perfect in the end, you know? And yeah. Like, yeah, there's just so much 
I, I just like how his presentation of a superhero was so subtle because he's not, you know, yeah, he's not invincible and he's not perfect. And, and it's his superpowers are barely detectable. And that's, I think, what makes it so real. But they are there, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great film. Um, yeah, like I was saying, like uh, Twin Tarantino, he put together this list of like his favorite films. He, I think he did it like maybe early 2012 or something like that. He did this favorite films from 1992 to that time period. And Unbreakable was one of the ones that was on there. Yeah. And he, yeah, he, he praised the film. He thought it was really good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, there's, a, there's a lot of people who kind of like the film. It's one of my favorites. Um, I think, you know, again, as time goes on and as, as the superhero genre becomes more and more like a thing, bigger, the biggest thing, <laughs> it, it just stands out more. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it is, it's totally still informing like the superhero movies that are being made today. And yeah, like inspiring filmmakers since it came out, like Tarantino. Yeah. Um, okay, so the uh, the next film he did was Signs. Mm -hmm. So Signs came out in 2002. Uh, Signs, you know, pretty much there's this family on a farm. Uh, they start getting crop circles and some weird stuff starts happening with aliens, basically. Yeah. Uh, very scary movie. <laughs> like, this is probably one of my favorites from him. Yeah. It is It is scary. And I, and I feel like this is a thought I had that, like, I don't know why, maybe it's just in my experience, but I feel like M. Night is rarely mentioned in the larger conversation of like best horror directors. Yeah. Because maybe his films are more looked at as thrillers or they're just not like jump scare type horrors, like quite as much. Sometimes they are. But um, Signs is just a perfect example of how he's so great at building that suspense and building that tension um and he does a lot of that through like framing and blocking i think he's so underrated for that i just watched a video about a scene in split which we can talk about later but do you remember the scene in split where they all get in the car and they realize that the guy who got in the car is not the dad yeah it's kind of the way he's like panning the camera back and forth and, and different things are happening it, again, it's so subtle, but I feel like he never gets recognition for just how great of a horror director he is. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. Um, especially, yeah, I think it is like people put it more in like the thriller category. I think yeah. it's because, you know, to be honest, I think I think some uh, horror people like they're 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 in it for the blood and the kills and the gore. Right. <laughs> yeah. well, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Totally. Yeah, they want to see like, oh yeah, I want to see the kill. I want to see the person's head get chopped off, stuff like that. <laughs> and he he's like the opposite of that. You know, it's like the Hitchcockian kind of thing. Like, if I don't show them, what they're gonna think of is gonna be even worse. So I'm just gonna kind of like imply some type of a thing, or um, like in this movie, like man, there's so many. Like to me, this this film is legitimately super scary. Mm -hmm. um, I was telling you when we talked about this before, when I saw it with my friends at the time, I did not sleep at all for two days. Like, it was very <laughs> scary to me. It's, like, very on point for what I was afraid of. Like, at some point when I was very young, I don't know, maybe, like, eight or ten, uh, I watched some I watched some History Channel documentary about people getting abducted by aliens, and it scared, scared the life out of me. Yeah. Uh, and so this was, like, the embodiment of that fear, basically. These aliens show up. For a long time, and and again, it's so brilliant because like, okay, 
what we know at first is like, okay, they're humanoid, but we never see them. Yeah. We never really see them. We just know that they're humanoid. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> and then we see some in the in the corn <laughs> the foot in the corn that stuff to me that stuff is like super scary honestly scary. because you're like because then you don't you have no idea what this thing could look like you have yeah no idea clearly they're capable of, and uh oh i'm just remembering this conversation we had i thought was really interesting yeah you don't know what they're capable of you don't know how desperate they are and yeah, yeah. just that unknown it's terrifying and then there's the stuff with um Remember they have the like the baby monitor and it's picking up their sort of like <laughs> like yeah. whatever the like. yeah. that stuff is really scary That's too because then right? <laughs> yeah like that stuff is really because then it's like oh they're also obviously they're super they're intelligent and so they're intelligent they're doing all this stuff and it's like man like this is frightening yeah. and, then, and then they also have like this camouflage so they're invisible yeah. like oh my god dude <laughs> like this. Yeah. And I and again like so ahead of his time, and I feel like, yeah, because now it's like stuff like that's happening in like every horror movie, I guess you know like moments similar to that. But a lot of this was really groundbreaking, and I remember you talking about that scene where um, I forget the character's name, but Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix go outside, and one of them like jumped on the roof. It's kind of like yeah. around and it's dark and you're like, I know it's in this area. And if it just yeah. on the roof, definitely not yeah. a Scandinavian Olympian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's super, it's super effective. And there's so many things that he does that are like, again, it's the subtlety of the, yeah. the horror. Um, he's, he's more into like doing something that's not going to be like overt. It's, you know, to me, one of the, there's two shots that are very scary to me in this. Like one is, I think it's the the boy is like looking out his window and on top of the silo like one of the aliens is up there and it just it looks at him and that's it and then he like he looked the boy looks away looks back the thing's gone yeah. but the fact that it looked at him implies this intelligence like the fact that this thing will look back at you implies that it it understands that you are viewing it mm. um which is to me very scary yeah like that that type of intelligence and then there's like that scene at the end where like the dude turns off the TV and then you see a reflection of the alien in right. the tip. That's freaking like super scary. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to me, it's like, <laughs> oh no, it's still there. Uh -huh. And I liked the scene um, with Joaquin Phoenix watching that footage on the news in the closet. Maybe it's a, it seems a little goofy now, but, and what you mentioned earlier with the baby monitor there's just so much there's just so many layers to like every yeah. single scene that he does that is what makes it so much more interesting and inventive compared to like a more standard horror film um yeah just so much imagination in that and that's what sets him apart is that it's it's completely and wholly original like he just does yeah. some spooky stuff that i don't know i love it all yeah and that scene like that that scene where they first see the alien it's it's really i remember seeing it and it's really drawn out and i'm like dude i gotta see it what is it what is it and it's and it's 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 he's like drawing it out and drawing it out and drawing it out and then you just see it like the freaking uh you know like 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 the bon snowman or like uh bigfoot and it's like oh my god yeah oh my god um yeah. there's there's a lot of really good scares in this like when he like goes to 
the guy's house and the thing is like in the, in the it's car. like yeah it's in, in the cupboard and he's like looking at it with the knife and then the hand yeah. comes out that's really scary like and it's again it's a suspense because you know it's coming you know that you're gonna see something in this reflection exactly. yeah but and you don't know really what the way that he kind of rolled it out and we've been talking about the aliens for 15 minutes and, yeah. and in addition to that there's like so much like really cool like thematic work here as well the, the theme is really good because it's about a guy who lost his religion because his wife died right he didn't believe mm -hmm. and this whole moment comes into his life that makes him believe again and and what i like so much about that is that he's not really i don't know his background with religion um like what he personally believes but he's not really taking a stance he's saying like this is what this character's journey was with his religion and then it's up to the viewer to kind of like appreciate that and understand that and kind of put it against like what they think about everything too. Yeah. I think, I think for him, it's like, um, there, there's, there's a sort of universality to the, to religion hmm. that, you know, it's like having faith or having belief, thinking about yourself and things that are bigger than you. That's what religion represents. Um, and yeah, if like for, for the character in signs, like he, once his wife died, he, he, he couldn't believe anymore. He couldn't, yeah. he's I mean, like, how could this happen? And yeah. Every, everything he believes you're like, yeah, I get it. Like I would lose my faith too. If you know, a tragedy like that happened. And then I really like kind of, oh my gosh, if you remember that long conversation that they have on the couch, um, him and Joaquin Phoenix about miracles and then how that all ties into what happens at the end with the water and his daughter yeah, the water. Out all the cups of water. He tells him to swing away. Yeah. <laughs> really cool stuff. Yeah, it's great. It, it's a good it's a good movie because yeah again like there's all this stuff that he's doing, the high concept stuff to scare you and get you in the theater. You right. know, but at heart it's a it's always a familiar and that's the other thing too. There's always a it's like family dynamic. There's a yeah. lot of family dynamics where there's something dysfunctional or some people need to kind of, I don't know, they need to come together. There's something that they're not, they're not talking about or they're not saying or, or yeah. some hurt in their past that needs to be resolved. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Well done. Very scary from the movie to, to me. I know, <laughs> but I hadn't visited it since I was uh, younger and I watched it maybe a month ago and I was like, oh, this movie isn't really about aliens. And yeah. I don't think I was able to realize that when I was a kid. Yeah. By the way, one thing I wanted to kind of just address with this film. So like one of the super common um, things that people say that they don't like about signs, they're like, oh, why would aliens come to earth if they're weak, their weakness is water and, you know, 70% of the earth is water. And I think that's mostly valid criticism. Um, what I would say, and, you know, at least this is how I would I don't think this stuff really needs to be addressed because like, look, the movie works, it's scary. Who cares about this other stuff? But the thing for me, I think is like, you know, um, why why would the aliens come to earth in the first place? It's obvious that they're very desperate for some reason, maybe their civilization is collapsing. And that's almost even scarier to be honest that they would come to earth because they're like, okay, these this place, even though it's a place where we're in high level of danger, First off, they're probably if they can do inter interstellar travel, they're way ahead of us. Number one, and number two, they're probably um, if they're desperate, they they just think we're gonna go for it. Who cares? 
So they're gonna they're they're gonna go all out to try and kill people. So to me, that makes it even scarier. Yeah. Um, but another assumption people make is that like the aliens that we're seeing are like the pinnacle of their civilization. Mm-hmm. When in reality they're probably an offshoot of like a cult or something. Maybe they're just crazy people, you know? They could be the craziest of this alien race. And so they just decided we're gonna go to this planet and we're gonna try and kill people because it could have been a religious reason. Their religion tells them to do it. Um, yeah. It could be anything. Yeah. But no matter what, they they are a desperate people looking for something to sustain themselves, and that is us. Which to me is a pretty scary. Right. Idea. I know that makes it even more terrifying. You're so right. I know. Like, why would we think that another species wouldn't have people as crazy as the people we have here, or if not people, alien fellow aliens? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I feel like that's an that is a big criticism this movie gets, and it kind of is in line with how I think maybe sometimes his campiness or the way that he's on the nose about a lot of stuff can make people kind of just can kind of trigger them to criticize them to criticize him before they really think about why he's doing what he's doing. Not to say you can't criticize his decisions or critique like the logic behind the film. But I think he's just one of those people that people love to hate, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Like I was saying, there's always this thing where they want to feel like they're smarter. Like, oh, I saw that coming. Or, oh, that's Exactly. That's I'm like, well, you, write, you write signs. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the thing about it, too, um, the stuff with the water, it's just, it's just a thematic thing for him. Yeah, exactly. You know, water it's cleanses, like, it purifies. Unbreakable. And, yeah. 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 So for him, it's like, oh, well, this water being their weakness fulfills this kind of thematic thing about how what how it's an important thing for me uh thematically and it's mm-hmm. like that's the point you know yeah. that's the point it's not people are basically overthinking it i guess is the way i put it <laughs> yeah exactly but i'm sure there's like you can you can take that in the other direction i'm sure there are like really deep theories that i could never come up with about kind of water as an archetype in his films and yes. kind of what it represents. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next film he did was The Village. I'm so, so excited the, to yeah. enter this era of his career. Yeah. <laughs> so The Village is a is a cool one. So again, another really high 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 level premise. So what we know from the offset, there's this group of people, was it like feels like it's 1500s, 1600s. Um yeah type of small town, mm-hmm, like um, yeah, colonial small town. And they live in this place and they're all very, if it's, it comes off as a very happy, innocent kind of. Innocent, town. yeah, innocent's a good word. Yeah, um, but there's something that's kind of off. They don't like the color red. Like in the very beginning we see them, someone sees the color red, they bury it. A little red plant, they bury it. Um, and then they're all at a dinner table and they hear some really creepy stuff off in the forest. Um, and then we're kind of, we're, we're off. <laughs> <laughs> and then what's interesting too, so like the film, the film opens up on a funeral. Uh, there's a funeral, someone, I think it's someone related to one of the main, one of the characters dies. And yeah, they're just, which I think it, it becomes important later. Um, and then we just get a lot of sort of the familial drama and this kind of this, life in this little town or whatever. Um, Joaquin's in it again. He's really great. He plays this guy who's like, doesn't really talk a lot, but he's very kind of brave. Um, I think this is the one of the first big 
Bryce Dallas Howard films that she ever did? It is. Um, yeah, it's definitely she, put her on the map. She's young in this. Oh yeah, I love their their she's amazing relationship. Yeah. He's amazing. I really like. Yeah, he's had um, kind of um, had the same actors who bonds with him, like Joaquin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, Bruce, he likes Joaquin. Yeah. Yeah, Bruce Willis. Um, yeah, this has a great cast, right? It does. This has oh a great gosh. cast. Melanie, I know. I tweeted about. I was <laughs> again. I haven't watched this one in a while. I was rewatching. I was like, "Is that Jesse Eisenberg?" <laughs> a young Jesse Eisenberg's in this film. Uh, I really like Michael Pitt. Michael Pitt's one of my favorite actors. He's yeah, in it. he's incredible. Uh, and then yeah, there's like, uh, what is it? Donald Gleason is in it. Mm -hmm. William Hurt is in it. Sigourney um, Weaver. Weaver is in it. Um, um, there's a couple others. People whose whose faces you would know, but names you may not know. Yes, is where I would put him. Yeah, and so yeah, why don't you? I I I feel like you probably have a lot you want to say about this film. So why don't you kind of give me your thoughts? You know, this like dare I say this is my favorite film of his, and there is so much. I try I try not to be biased, but I'm totally biased. But this was. Um, a film I watched when I was probably like six years old and rewatching it was such a cathartic experience because there's so many scenes that affected me so much that like I saw them and all these emotions came back up um, just because he, he makes these scenes so tangible with his filmmaking. Um, if you remember the scene where she goes out into the woods and she's wearing her yellow um, cloak, and for anyone who hasn't seen it, yellow is like the good color. It's supposed to keep away these creatures that kind of um, torment their town. Um, she's going on this journey through the through the woods, and her yellow cape gets so muddy. In sense, she's blind; so she can't see it right away, and she's kind of feeling her cloak, feeling how muddy it is, and she just the panic that sets in because she's like, "Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh!" Like. I'm vulnerable to these creatures now. And you can almost, you can feel like the mud and like, yeah, oh, like it's again, like just having it be a movie from my childhood. Um, but I mean, like, not even though, like he's just so great at like creating that tension and that panic and making, making you feel those feelings with her. Yeah, I mean, that whole sequence where she basically goes off on her own is, very harrowing because she's blind and she's just like, you know, like basically there's this love story between her and Joaquin and, you know, they have this really, there's a couple really sweet scenes. Like there's yeah. one where she's like the creatures have come and then uh, she's waiting for him and she's holding her hand out and we see the thing coming. And then at the last moment he grabs her and closes the door. That's one of the best scenes I've ever seen in a film. And honestly, like their romance might be one of my favorite that I've put on the screen. Yeah, it's very beautiful because they're like they're like opposites. Yeah, they're like totally out. Like she's like very talkative, very outgoing, very mm -hmm. very lovely, and he doesn't say much at all. But he really really likes her, and he's like very protective of her, but in a kind of sweet kind of way. Yeah. Um, and then he <laughs> there's that scene where he like and again Judy Greer was another great actor. And yeah. She's in Halloween Kills. Um, yeah. she's. Uh, she's like in love with him. <laughs> she yeah. like she like has this scene where she's just like just like throwing out all this this like poetry, this like epic love poetry at him. And he's like he's just standing there. He's like yeah, <laughs> and then just cuts immediately to her sobbing in bed. Yeah, he's he's funny. I forgot to mention earlier too. We, we were talking about signs. 
when they go outside and Mel Gibson is like, I'm a crazy person. Like I'm angry. <laughs> yeah. Or like even when they, they like the kids legitimately put on the tinfoil hats and then, and then he does too. Thank God he gave us that one shot of Joaquin Phoenix and them just sitting on the couch wearing their tinfoil hats. Incredible stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's really fun. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing too is like, he, he really goes for the comedy in a lot of these movies. Yes, we'll kind of yeah. talk about it. He goes for this kind of campy, interesting humor. And for some people, it hits. For some people, it doesn't. But that's another... I think that's another part of why people kind of hate him. They're like, oh, that's not funny. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's funny. Yeah. I mean, like like you're saying, that, that like, her gushing about how much she loves this guy who's deadpan and then cut to... She's crying. Yeah. And there's this great scene, too, where, like, you know, William Hurt is so good in this movie. Like, William Hurt is the perfect casting for the character in the village so he, he basically plays like um he's sort of like the head of this oh okay the elders okay yeah he's like the head of the elders he stand out he was incredible he was because like basically he has to like deliver a lot of soliloquies mm. and he's very he's very like believable yeah. believable in how he's he's delivering but yeah, they have the scene where he's like, he's like, oh, daddy, daddy, oh, guess what? I, I, I fell in love with this boy. He's like, does he know? Does he know that you look like? Oh, well, I haven't told him yet, but I know that. I'll tell him later. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's not like other boys. He's so different. He doesn't talk. He doesn't. Blah blah blah. He's not afraid. I like him so much. He's like, okay, well, but I want to, I want to get your permission first. It's like, well, we should probably talk to the boy, um, yeah. <laughs> before any of this happens, and then mm -hmm. we get that next scene. It's great. It's great. Yeah. And again, it's like this whole this whole thing is about protecting innocence, basically. Yeah. Um, because yeah, what we find out is like the twist is like they this this is present day, and these people were all people who lived in Philly who like something really bad happened to them, and the William Hurt character comes up with this idea: let's go off into this reserve, let's start a new community there, where there's no money, there's no um, you know, there's none of this. I guess the bad part of civilization, whatever you want to call it. And um, we'll live there away from the world and away from this pain that we got. Um, and it's really interesting too, like the way that he kind of like plants the seeds of that, because there's all these, all the elders, there's different times where they all talk about like being in the town and all of them have a traumatic story or there's some sort of traumatic thing they're not talking right. about, you know? And, and then in the end we're like, oh, it's about, they need to get away from it because it was too too much for them to handle because they lost someone or someone got murdered or something really bad happened um yeah right yeah i i guess i don't know if you have any thoughts there there's one thing i would want to bring up but i don't want to let you speak um, if you have anything to say i guess on that point well on that point i would i would yeah kind of branch off in like a more general thing about i did want to talk about i feel like this is definitely the film where it was in full effect that he was put in this box where everyone's gonna be looking at his twists like is this the most shocking thing i've ever seen and evaluate the film like purely off of that because i think there is so much to appreciate in this film that doesn't really get looked at totally um, overlooked in the way that i wish it was but there is like this really cool cult following of kind of these like middle of his career what a lot of people think is this lull period that i think is when he made some of his most Shyamalan films. Like it's just like yes. such an incredible, just watching these and you feel him in every single shot. Mm -hmm. um, but what did you want to touch on? 
So there's this point where, okay, so the, the secret's out. Um, the William Hurt character tells um, Ivy, Bryce Dallas Howard, okay, so like the, the, the things we, we created them as a fiction to kind of um, get people to, to sort of believe in this idea of the town. And by the way, I, I feel like this is a very strong religious allegory too. This oh, yeah. whole town, they create a religion. That's what mm -hmm. they do. You do this and this and this. Kind of culty, like. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little. Protecting yourself from like the truth a little bit. And like, how long can you really do that? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting because like, yeah, they basically create this cult or religion. And there's this point where like the elders are kind of together talking about what, what's going to happen because he said, like, they all make a pact, the elders, that they're not going to, because they all know the truth. They make a pact that they're not going to leave. But to get around that, he sends Ivy out to go get sure. supplies for um, Lucius, who's played by Joaquin Phoenix after he gets stabbed by... Um, Adrian Brody. I don't know why yeah. totally escaped me. Adrian Brody, yeah. yeah. Uh, again, the cast is amazing in this film. <laughs> it's really <laughs> amazing. Um, so, yeah, so she she goes off on this this cause, and, and they have... I mean, this is like the to me the best part of the film. They're all talking about this thing that they've done, mm. and William Hurt just like delivers all these really great lines. He um, speaks with such purpose. Like yeah, his voice is that's something. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the stuff about hope. He says like, like out of hope, there's always something good. I hope I'm always able to risk everything for the the just and right cause, and that's in the end that's what we're protecting here, innocence. Um, mm. And yeah, that's why they created this this town. It's like they felt like in the real world, innocence was taken from them and they couldn't have it anymore. But it, by creating this religion, and he even says like, we're not gonna live forever. The people like Lucius and Ivy and the other younger people are gonna be the ones to perpetuate this thing. If it were to continue to exist, if it even has a right to exist. And that's to me, again, where the religious allegory comes in because right. on a certain level like that, like religion is a thing that's perpetuated by human beings. If human beings disappear tomorrow, these things will go away. And, and also like raising the kids in that environment, like is that the right thing to do to not really let them know at least that this outside world exists? Yeah, giving them the choice. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and then and then like he just thought there's this great thing about 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 love. It's like she's led by love, the world moves for love, it kneels before it in awe. It's just like very beautiful. Um and basically the whole idea is like if she can do this thing successfully it means that it's another act of faith if she can go out and successfully retrieve this stuff without putting them in danger right. it means that i guess on some religious level that their endeavor was worthy mm -hmm. um yeah and then in the end we see her she gets to the fence she jumps over the fence and <laughs> we see this, this guy pull up in a truck and we're like oh my gosh <laughs> Yeah, I know. I, w I wish I could remember if I was like shocked by the twist or not, because so many people are like, oh, I saw it coming from a mile away. But it is, it's it's really interesting to see her come out there and she's like, sir, like, please take me for medicine. And he's like, where do you, who are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, another part of the like the faith stuff is like, he helps her. He helps her. Yeah. He, he smuggles some stuff for her. Right. Um. You know, and yeah, and he gets her a ladder so you can climb up the thing and get it, get back into where she's from. Yeah, and um, then we get that scene with 
M. Night's cameo, um, and he's kind of reading the paper, and it has all these terrible yes. things that are... I, he does that in a lot of his films. It's so on the nose. Um, but I, I kind of like it, and I feel like it's like, again, how he kind of is putting humor into these scenes. He's not really taking the whole thing like so seriously. I feel like if he was taking it so seriously, not kind of acknowledging the ridiculousness of the premise, maybe it'd be a little, it'd be a little less charming. Um, yeah. Like how he kind of was really forthcoming about these themes of kind of escaping um, the, the terrible parts of the world. Yeah. And again, like we're saying, like it's protecting innocence and, and that the sort right. of having faith in something different and better. Um, yeah, I, I really feel like this is this is like of all the films where people o overlook everything because of the twist. This is like number one. I I totally agree. There is so much interesting stuff thematically in this film, mm -hmm. and so well acted. Right. Um, and people just like totally overlook it. Like, there's so many really really interesting things in this film that people just and it's well shot. Roger Deakin shot this movie. It's beautiful. Oh my god. Yeah, he did a stellar job. I do. I just love the use of color. And yeah, it is just beautiful. Bryce Dallas Howard was mesmerizing. Incredible. She was so good in this role. She's incredible in this movie. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. Cool. So yeah, it's a village. I think I think we both like really kind of like this film. I feel like this is a film. Yeah, that's really strong. And a lot of people don't give it enough credit. Yeah, but then, but yeah, the people who do like it are, are really adamant about the fact that it's like so underappreciated. So it is kind of nice to have that cult following, know that you're like not alone. Yeah, but you wish. If anyone's listening and, it does, and you don't want to watch The Village, trust me. <laughs> it's really yeah, just cool. go, go with an open mind and you'll like it, I think. Yeah, exactly. Um, cool. So yeah, then the next film we did was Lady in the Water. Okay, now this film, this is a film. This is a doozy. <laughs> this is a really yeah i i've always felt that this is like the most m night Shyamalan film basically other than like the sixth sense just because it's like it's purely a lot of his ideas distilled um i know he kind of didn't he kind of didn't hold back and i think yeah <laughs> then i'll let you like describe it a little bit first but it might have been when he was kind of a little spiteful of oh yeah, yeah he was getting and he was like whatever like i'm just gonna put every shamanism into one movie yeah I'm gonna watch it <laughs> see the thing is too um and this is like you know a thing that i've come across too like it's 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 very hard to like when you're when you're a creator you're inherently someone who's like kind of looking for you kind of go between like really wanting self like external gratification and then trusting your internal self about what you're creating. Right. And you kind of oscillate between the two mm. because, you know, there's a lot of times where people say, oh, I don't think that's good. Like, imagine if someone said, like, he's like, oh, yeah, I want to do this movie. It's about this guy and he's a child psychologist. And then it turns out he's dead. And people are like, no, nah, that's not going to work. <laughs> they're, they're dead. I'm sure he heard that's that. Happened him. That's happened to him before with Split and also with The Visit. People were like, no. He was like, fine, I'll just pay for it. Yeah. I'm sure people, and, and that's the thing, like on a certain level, he knows what he's doing. He mm -hmm. knows what he's doing. He's very good at his craft. And these things, they have, they have meaning and value. And it's just hard. Cause like, sometimes you gotta really trust yourself. Yeah. And I feel like Lady in the Water is a film where he was like, I trust myself, this is good. I wanna do this. Yeah. 
I don't care what other people think. This is my vision. It's like a story that's important to me. And yeah, he's talked a lot in interviews and stuff where he was like, he said, especially 2013, where I feel like yeah, it's kind of when things actually started to get kind of bad for him in certain <laughs> ways. But he was like, I was really feeling down about myself just as like, I was doubting myself. And th- and that's when you're not able to produce, um, yes. you know, good work is when you're doubting yourself. And so I think he's just a really inspiring story of kind of like the ups and downs of having mm-hmm. a creative career. Perseverance. Perse- perseverance, right. Like like learning how to push through when, when people aren't being, people aren't receiving the work very well. Yeah. So Lady in the Water, and, and he, he, the way he talks about this film was like, it was something that he told to his kids. Yeah. He basically told a story, a, this type of story to his kids. And, um, you know, he'd like make it very scary sometimes or less scary, but he would, he would tell this kind of a story to his kids and he kind of turned it into a movie. And so, yeah, it's just basically a fairy tale about these. And a lot of this stuff has some real backing, but it's like, you know, there's these narfs and you see, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) It's a narf. Narf. Um, So narfs are these like sea, almost like mermaid creature things, and they exist in this other world. And their their purpose is to uh, sort of survey mankind. And at the beginning of the film, like they talk about the story, like oh yeah, narfs and men like they used to live together, and then men left the water, and then they came to the earth, and then we kind of came out of balance. Um, and yeah, I mean it, it's a really interesting story because like okay, so it's it's basically all set in this apartment complex. Um, Paul Giamatti is the main lead his name's like cleveland something something like that yeah something like that. yeah um again great cast jeffrey wright's in this movie um we get some i forget, I forget that there's a one british guy who's in the foundation i forget his name but he's in it um there's some there's some good actors in this movie uh yeah. and basically one one day he like you know he's he's doing his job he's he's got this menial i guess janitorial you know repairman stuff kind of work and he's he's you know he's talking to someone and and they're like oh someone's staying in the water because the filters are really dirty and so he's like he's like looking around for you know where this person is and he sees someone like take something out of the he likes this person just like jumped out of the water and take something there's a necklace left yeah yeah Yeah, she takes it and he's like hey i saw you and then he like trips and falls falls in the water she saves him and you know he's like <laughs> he wakes up wakes up with this naked like 20 year old in his room and he's yeah. like this, is, <laughs> this is maybe uh can you please put on some clothes yeah, before someone like witnesses this <laughs> yeah there's also yeah again talking about the silly comedy aspects of it there's that scene where like so he takes um story is the name of bryce dallas howard's character who's the narf um he takes her to like, like she gets attacked by one of these. Uh, I forget what the, what's called, but it's basically a, a wolf that can lay completely flat and has its body is made of like, kind of like something that's grassy that can uh-huh. blend in. Those things uh, are terrifying. Yeah, this it, yeah. I mean, it's a wolf and it's super scary for sure. Yeah. Um, and then like like this is like and I saw Milan's sister is like, oh hey, this guy's a player. It's like really, <laughs> <laughs> really again the very silly humor. Um. And yeah, this story is really because it's like at, at at heart, it's about people finding their purpose, right? Mm-hmm. And all these people are brought to this place to find their purpose to do this thing, basically. And they're all there to help story 
um, meet with, you know, M. Night Shyamalan's character who is writing this this political book that's going to be very revolutionary, mm-hmm. and then to get her back back home. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, Cleveland, he like, you know, it's interesting because like, you know, the twist in this is that, um, I guess people, it, it, it's it's really because like again, people they don't know. Like it's like it's like people inherently know what their purpose is, even though they can't articulate it, because Cleveland thinks, oh, it's like these guys are, are, this is the chorus, this is the this, this is the that, but it's actually, it's actually totally different than what he expected. Yeah. Right, um, right. Yeah, and it's really I don't know what are I guess what are your thoughts on this this film? Um, I think, I know this film is very special to me too because I watched it when I was younger and I remember, and again, I'm gonna say this again, but it was just cathartic watching it and like kind of funny to see, like, I was like, oh my God, that's right. Like the guy who's like only working out one side of his body. And there, there are just a, a lot of really interesting characters here and the, and the way that they kind of do play out those like tropey or like archetypal roles, how they kind of like yeah. just fit into that role that they're supposed to be playing. Um, mm-hmm. That's part of the the story, like the like the fairy tale um, that's carrying out throughout this movie. And I think it is it's about finding your purpose. And this is another one where he has kind of like news of like the war going on in the background yeah. kind of like this desire. How do I put this? This is why I think it's almost ironic that people don't like this movie because the whole premise of the movie is these fully grown adults choosing to believe in a fairy tale to escape um, this dark world that they're living in. Um, And so that's why this is a movie that I love to kind of just like not really try and critique, but just kind of let myself be immersed in this story that he's telling and like be there with him and kind of be there with the characters and... um, yeah, it was just a really impactful film for me. But, but yeah, yeah. There's like that great scene where, like, you know, they try to do this ritual to like heal Story after she gets attacked by the mm-hmm. um, the wolf creature, and um, you know, Cleveland like gets all these people together, and um, he tries to do the ritual, but like telling the people what to do, and it doesn't work. And the guy, this one guy who like uh, he's kind of. He's very isolated and he's he's like he's also because like cleveland has his past like where his family died and he just like kind of yeah. took this job to get away from the world because right. he couldn't he kind of couldn't overcome things um and this other guy seemed like he has a similar backstory um and the guy was like hey i want to believe too i really do but like i just don't think you know this world is too sad for, for this to be real basically is what he says and then the lady's like oh well you know, I saw the butterflies go to you. You're the person, you're the healer in the story. Um, and then he gets all the people together and he actually heals her. And then, yeah, and then it gets really, yeah. Cause like the, um, I think what is this? There's like an Oracle character, but the Oracle is the kid who's looking at the cereal boxes. Which kid? So oh, the cer- oh, cereal box. That's right. Yeah. I know that. that Jeffrey Wright's son. Like he's an oracle, but he like he like ascertains stuff by looking at cereal boxes. <laughs> that's when, the, yeah, that's one of those moments where I'm like, I love this man so much. Like this is just like so goofy. Yeah. 
<laughs> but he does set it up like in the first scene where you see them he's like he's like looking at a cereal box he's like this makes me feel like it's supposed to make me happy but it makes me feel sad <laughs> yeah i know exactly it, it's there it's always all there when you go back um, yeah but it, it like him doing that happens like a minute or two after the scene with paul giamatti that literally i was crying at that scene his performance in this movie is like really good it's really um, good yeah it's yeah, really that was good like a super emotional scene for me because you can feel that that history has a big family dying and he's kind of able to redeem himself by bringing her back um and, and yeah. that's the moment that he finds his purpose yeah yeah really really cool stuff yeah and it's so powerful right like that whole yeah. thing like that's what all these people want yeah is to find their purpose yeah this guy's like <laughs> yeah, I know. This guy's like working out, and and it turns out he's like the the protector or whatever. Yeah, that was one of those scenes that I watched. And I was like, I remember thinking this was like the coolest shit I've ever seen when I was like eight. That he's like he turned, and the, and the wolf is like, yeah, oh, the wolf is, is yeah. the protector. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, and again, Bryce Dallas Howard is incredible in this movie. I, again, yeah, I know she's like. I, I use mesmerizing for the village too, but she just has that look. And with the long kind of like wavy hair, like she's like mm -hmm. some sort of like celestial, like mermaid yeah. character, just right out of a storybook. Right. Yeah. Like, really cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, these are, these are good films. I just think that like th this film in particular, I, I don't know why, I guess people just had it out for him. They really did. I know. And I know. And I guess, he 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 definitely made himself a little vulnerable to criticism with the whole film critic thing. <laughs> yeah, so we should talk about that. Yeah, so yeah. so he there's a character in this who's a film critic who is very very cynical. I think kind of represents like for him the archetype of the of his his yeah the people who don't like his films. Right, people who are that very you know. At this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and it's a real thing. I remember just like reading just like reviews and stuff. There are people who just like hate his stuff. Just they just hate it because they're like, oh, I'm smart. I, I saw the village coming. I saw signs coming. Blah, blah blah. It's so dumb. And it's like, dude, you guys are just like missing everything. You're totally yeah. missing out. I don't, you know, and I get it. I, I do get it. And I think that it is definitely just that his style might not be for everyone because he is goofy, mm -hmm. he is campy. And, and he is very forthcoming with what the themes of his movies are. There are definitely movies out there that are more graceful and more kind of um, profound and subtle. But it, it is kind of this this really interesting mix he has that like there's kind of like that superficial layer of his of these films where he's like, oh, in signs like Mel Gibson is struggling with his religion, but there are like five more layers that you can dive into that are yeah. there. Mm -hmm. um, but I think yeah. people were turned off by him being a little more on the nose um, at first glance. Yeah, I agree with that. And I guess we should just say, just to kind of finish out the uh, the, the point with the uh, um, the, the critic. No, it's, it's fine. It's totally fine. Yeah, it's just like, not just only is there a critic here, there who's like very skeptical, very, very much like, you know, an asshole. He like he like presents this idea of like basically he sends Cleveland down the wrong path because like the the critics are wrong about the movie, um, and then the critic like when he's faced with the the creature, he has this monologue about like oh yeah well since this isn't a violent movie I'm gonna get away 
and barely escape and then the audience is going to feel good for me because I will have learned a lesson. He turned around, he gets eaten and killed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of like, oh, I'm a film critic. I know what I'm talking about and like I have the right to like evaluate things. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, there again, there's something sort of satisfying about um, creating an avatar for the people you hate and then destroying them. I know, why not? His movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. no, I don't mind it. <laughs> and the other flip side, too, is like he, he casts himself as this writer who's going to write this really important book that's going to lead to someone, um, I don't know, some, some, some future president probably doing something. Yeah. Like the it's like the Barack Obama or something of yeah, of like the future. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's basically what it was. Yeah, but anyway, um, so yeah. Like, so that's, if you don't like him, you're like that's the most pretentious thing I've ever seen. If you do like him, you're like ah. Oh. See that to me, that's why this is the most Shyamalan film, and right. like this is really like the test. Like if you can watch yeah. this film and like take all that stuff and like kind of like be like okay, I understand it from a meta perspective, and I can kind of like get over it and see the things that really affect me you're gonna you're gonna get something out of this film but if you can't get past those things then he's maybe not for you the score was really he has a great scores in a lot of his yes films. and this one was shot very well i wish i could remember the cinematographer's name but he's done a lot yeah i forget yeah he's good he's good yeah um yeah i mean in, in this time period he was working with the best guys right uh, behind you know above the line below the line like he was yeah. really getting a level talent on every level he was and again though um, the water motif is, is yes it, like again the critic says like oh i i watched this movie where it rains where people like they had this moment where they fell in love that never happens <laughs> yeah. um and then you know at the end it's raining when she gets taken away by the eagle and it's yeah. like you know very cool um yeah i i, I like this movie um so yeah so the next thing he did was the happening which was like yes. his first r-rated film and yeah the happening so um i guess what are your thoughts on the happening i'll just let you kind of start off and see what you have to say i i personally really like the happening i think this is like it's so funny like seeing the succession of, of the village lady in the water and the happening he was like really testing audiences <laughs> more and more um I kind of look at the happening in the same way as old a little bit where it's kind of like he was in he was trying to make a b movie on purpose that was very corny um and he's he was kind of just like it was like a satire um and and just another film that has a lot of commentary that i feel like was dismissed as like an objectively bad film made by a filmmaker who didn't know what they were doing <laughs> And I think it's just like so much more complicated than that. Um, that's kind of my thoughts as a whole. Yeah, I. this is an interesting um, pandemic viewing, I think for me. Yeah. I think I watched this like in 2020. And again, at the time, like, you know, it's taking this kind of uh, environmental angle on mm -hmm. basically a pandemic. And so it's like, the, you know, it's it's basically saying like, hey, the environment is going to toss us out if we don't change our behavior. Right. Um, yeah, and yeah, it's, it's an interesting film. And, you know, again, like basically <laughs> the premise is there's a pandemic and it's a socially distance. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. Ahead of his time. <laughs> yeah. Or else the environment's gonna kill you. And I mean, you know, <laughs> that's kind of something we had to live through. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I think so. Okay, so I'll, I'll just I'll just put this out there for me. Like, there's a lot of movies that I think Mark Wahlberg should not be in. Uh, to me, this is one of them. Okay. Um, he, I don't know. There's some times where he just like, and and there, there was a movie that came out this year. Oh, I forget what it's called. Infinite. The one that was like supposed to be so bad that the studio kind of like tried to forget. Yeah, <laughs> it, I think it's called Infinite. Okay. He he. Like that movie, I can feel the potential. I can see what they were doing, mm-hmm. and it's interesting. And then they cast Mark Wahlberg, and then it just all went gone. Yeah. It was gone in a second. The minute they did that, he um, careful with. I feel like he does best in stuff like uh, the other guys, or I don't know if you saw Spencer Confidential. Stuff that has yeah. more, more humor. Yeah, it needs to have humor. He doesn't play serious very well unless yeah. um, the character's kind of crazy or there there's some kind of like. Um, like in the, he's great in the Departed. He's great in the Departed. Mm. He's got to have an edge. But like, yeah, he's basically was like a school teacher in this movie. He was a teacher. Yeah, I know. He has to be like a brute from Bo- from Boston, or I like don't believe it. <laughs> he's got to, and and then yeah, and you know what's made fun of in this movie is he says like whom. I don't know why people yeah. just that set people off when you said whom. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, but but did that yeah. kind of add to the goofiness of it all? Yeah. Oh yeah, it did. Yeah. Because I feel like I know yeah. oh, Mark Wahlberg is terrible. Like the dialogue is so bad. I'm like, you do that's the point. Entire movie is a joke, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some shocking stuff. I mean, when they go to that house and then the the people just start blasting them with guns. Yeah. That was legitimately like. Oh, I know yeah. he like killed a kid in this movie. Yeah, killed a kid. I mean, when we first see like people start, you know, doing the crazy stuff that they do when they get infected, jumping off of buildings, like that's pretty. That's the most hardcore stuff he's put in, pretty much any movie. Yeah, I think you're right, and it is that contrast kind of between like super gory, super disturbing, and kind of like campy, yeah, uh, kind of humorous is is pretty jarring. And I think that's such a great point. The effect that he wanted to have it. I feel like you really get this movie, to be honest. Um, and the reason why is like, what, what? When you say that, the first thing that comes to my mind is a scene where they're looking on their phone and they see a guy jump into that zoo with the lion, and the guy we, they watch them get eaten by the lion, and it's so ridiculous. It's so utterly yeah, ridiculous that you laugh. Actually, he predicted. Uh, what was that gorilla's name? Oh, Harambe. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but like, but like, what you're saying is like it's supposed to be funny. This is like a B movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like um, it's like piranha or some shit, you know? Yeah. Um yeah, so I feel like this is another one that's kind of misunderstood, especially if again, in 2008, like I don't remember what what it felt like when this movie came out, but if you go into this movie and you don't know it's an M Night movie, you're going to think it's the worst movie you've ever seen, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> So it, I think that's such an interesting thing is like knowing it's an M Night movie completely changes the way that you think about it, like going in for better or for worse, I guess. But yeah. it is, and I and I and my other point that I think is interesting is what I mentioned with you before is it's kind of commentary on like a post nine eleven world. Yes, that in group up group stuff with like the most iconic line in this movie where. <laughs> It's very clear that people are just going around like killing themselves and it's totally self-inflicted. And this lady is like, what kind of terrorists are these? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that was a very common thing at the time, honestly. Like, War of the Worlds, the Steven Spielberg War of the Worlds, that's, mm -hmm. that whole film was a 9-11 analogy. Yeah. Uh, allegory. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of that. And, yeah, I mean, it was a real thing. It was a real fear people had. People were like, is there going to be another attack? Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, so that's the happening. So the happening, unfortunately, it's probably Lady in the Water and the Happening were two films that kind of didn't work. And then... They started uh, the 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 studio people started to tighten the noose on him, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then so then he uh, gets assigned doing the last Airbender, which did not go well, unfortunately. Over that one. <laughs> yeah, not good. And then he does the Will Smith, uh, Jaden Smith After Earth, another film that did not go well. Right. And like you were saying before, this is like the lowest point in his career. But in between that, or maybe. I don't know if it was before or after The Last Airbender, but he worked on Devil, which Devil, I think yeah. was, I liked that film. I thought it was a really interesting- Devil is good. Horror film. So there was a little little, little bit of light in there. Yeah. That feels like one where they were like, okay, we'll do this, but we don't want you to direct it kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so and basically, was, basically he, wrote a, he wrote a draft and they were like, okay, this is good. We'll buy it from you for whatever, but we're gonna handle it ourselves. And he's like, exactly. okay, fine. And then after Earth, he was kind of like the director for hire. Because um, he, yeah. he had any part in the writing process for that. But yeah, they weren't really letting him have full control over any project. Yeah. And then, yeah, at that point, he was like totally in the wilderness. Um, yeah. It's a bad time. So then he comes back uh, in 2015. He does the visit. And so this now is the new era of M. Night Shyamalan. Come back so to yeah, come back to <laughs> exactly. So, um, so he tries to do this movie, and everyone's like, basically, they just turned on him, right? I mean, there's no probably other way to like, like Hollywood just turned on him. They're like, we're done with you. Yeah. Uh, so he self finances it, and then basically he kind of gets this, this thing with Jason Blum, uh, and that helps him get distribution, and you know he basically makes this uh. Oh, what do they call this? Um, the style of film. Oh, was it found uh, footage? Found footage, yes, that's yeah. correct. Yeah, I like found footage films a lot. Not very. Yeah, I I'm kind of fifty fifty on it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm fifty fifty on this, but yeah, I don't remember like being obsessed with this one. I this was one that I didn't get to revisit. No pun intended. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> But I, I, I remember seeing it, which is big for me, because there's a mm -hmm. lot of just typical horror movies like this that you can easily forget, but, I, but this one resonated a little bit. Yeah, to me, what's interesting, again, he's self-financing this. He he talks a lot about the process of making this and where, he you know, he- a secret, didn't he? Yeah, a little bit. Mm -hmm. A little. I mean, he, he's got a lot of clout, actually, to be honest. When we talk about Split, we'll talk about, like, he's got some real clout, and it's actually almost like I almost feel like in a way it's kind of good that he's on he's he is where he's at now because he has freedom he has actual creative freedom that's true and what he's trying to do um because you know he's he's a real artist he's trying to do real art and make real interesting unique films right and yeah basically when he talked about making this film like you know he showed it to a bunch of basically like big hollywood distributors and they were all like no it's bad it sucks it's terrible Right. And he just kept working on it, working on it, editing it, editing it. And then, you know, finally, you know, with Jason Blum, the 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 thing came together. And this was like one of the most profitable films in the year it came out. Wow. 
Wow. I and, think it said something, but it was like, yeah, maybe fifth, uh, fifth highest grossing horror movie that year or something. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like, because of the way it was shot, like, it's super cheap. Yeah. And he financed it himself. He's king and, of profit. Yeah. He just he is. <laughs> yeah. This, this movie, yeah. This movie made a lot of money. And so he kind of proved himself again. Um, and, but in a total independent way where he has a lot of control. Right. And so then he makes Split, which is the next film that comes out in 2016. Right. And Split is masterful. Oh my gosh. Like an like, absolutely amazing film. I remember the hype around this movie. Everyone thought it was so good. I think this this is before I was like really, really getting into film <clears> and kind of, you know, everything around that. I don't even think I knew it was him when it yeah. came out. It was one of those movies that was like more mainstream. And everyone knew James McAvoy, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's a concept. Like, that's such a weird, crazy concept. I really want to see that. And to think that he presented this to studios too, and they were all like, that's too, that's too crazy. People are, are going to be upset. Like, I think it was kind of unheard of that it was like young girls were being abducted um, and kind of being put in this situation. Which, fair enough? Yeah, this this film was extremely successful, and I mean, James McAvoy is incredible in this movie. Oh, he's so good. Like the way that he's going in and out of different personalities, it's it's amazing. Yeah, I know. It's it's really I don't even think he got a nod at the Oscars, did he? I don't know. Uh, he should have. Yeah. Um, I'll have to check real quick. And by and Anya Taylor Joy is in this too. Um, yeah, yeah. This was a big a big role for her. Yeah, this was like the beginning. Uh, I think she, the previous year she did The Witch. The Witch is like, I feel like really the beginning. Oh, was The Witch before? She also, I liked her in Thoroughbreds so. too. I don't mm. know if you've seen that. I don't think I've seen that. It's good. Not yet. Okay, I'll have to check it out. I mean, she's she's incredible. She is. She's an incredible actor. And yeah, no no, no Oscar nomination for him. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah. <laughs> Very few people could do what he did. <laughs> I, I totally agree with that. And he carries this movie. He carries he this does. movie. It's and incredible. Yeah, and and I just remember being, I mean, talk about the reveal at the end, but oh, yeah. just being, like, watching this film, and it's so grounded, and it's such this, it's this really interesting psychological concept, and you're like, oh my gosh, is something supernatural going on? And yeah. then it just gets that much more interesting. Especially, like, when there's that scene where he, like, pulls the bars apart. Yeah. When he's oh the God. beast. Yeah. yeah. And again, you know, the thing that I find you know just talking about his directorial style again the way he's always kind of like not showing us the thing mm, right. um there's a scene where like he becomes a beast and then he like that the his psychiatrist he like crushes her um physically and the way he shot that and it's just like you just hear the sound and you just see her face you know it's it's so interesting the way that he again he's not gratuitous he's not like these other horror directors where it's like yeah i'm going to show you you know, do, do, do the Ari Aster, show you a <laughs> beheading or something. Yeah, and it's effective, like, it, when, when you leave that stuff up to our imagination, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's really effective. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I really, I really, really like this movie. And so I, I just kind of saw it on a whim, and to me, the ending totally blew me away, to be honest. I know, it's like, just, in a good way. I said this before, but I wasn't, like, Again, 2016, I was pretty young. Like, it didn't yeah. register for me. <laughs> yeah. I so wish it had because I saw everyone talking about it. And I was like, oh, my gosh. She's oh, so man. Awesome. I wish I was, like, in on it. As, but, like, as, like, a person who, like, 
saw Unbreakable in the theater in 2000 and really liked this movie. Like that ending is mind blowing. Yeah, I'm sure. It's it's like wait, so this is a part of the same universe, and they're on a collision course. It's like oh my god, it, it, it's like the perfect comic book setup. Yeah, and to think it was after all of this had happened with his career to have just like that wow moment that he was like, yeah, I'm back. <laughs> What's funny too, so again, talking about how much clout this guy has, so he didn't even tell whoever was financing this film that he was gonna do this ending for Split. Wow. He he called Disney and said, hey, I wanna do this thing. Um, I need some rights. And they're like, okay, sure, you can pay us this amount, we'll do it. And then he calls, um, What's his name? Uh, yeah, he calls Bruce Willis. Hey, I want you to do this cameo. He's like, okay, I'll do it. And then boom, it happens. Yeah. And it's like, it's amazing. It's, it's so amazing. Cool. I mean, and, and even like, even without that, the whole movie, like once you see at the end, like that he like worked in this, like he's holding them in, what was it? It's like the Philly Zoo or something. Yeah, I know. Literally, I know. Like all the, I love how all his films are set somewhere in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I love that. But yeah, this movie, like, especially like, so like at the end you see Bruce Willis and then they play the score from Unbreakable. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I, um, I and it's, it's so, it's also so like in line with the way the universe works, you know, the, the yeah. Unbreakable, because it's not, it's not like, it's not like the MCU basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's these very subtle things like the yeah. fact that we're seeing this character in a diner looking at this news report and that immediately incites us to think about these two characters clashing right it's, it's basically the mcu kind of thing without you know having all the stuff there with all yeah, the other baggage the, like, bells and, yeah it's like not yeah it's not over the top and like i was saying with unbreakable it's so subtle even with the beast it's like I, I, what I really liked about it is how there's always this thing in the back of your head and you, when you're like, do they really have superpowers? Or is this just like, you know... Just a crazy dude? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> you're like, how exactly like does this like work? Um, that allows you to kind of stay... allows it to stay really grounded. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Love Split. Split is, Split is absolutely amazing. And even as um, a standalone film... It's still mm -hmm. kind of like a cult classic. Like people who might not have been into Unbreakable or into the franchise. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was like the talk yeah. of the town. Yeah, it's great. And it's so brilliant. Like it's really hard to make a film like this that's very small, grounded, that's still captivating. Exactly. But he's really good at it. And he's he's kind of mastered that. Yeah. That craft in this part of his uh his career. And Split yeah. was the most profitable film of twenty sixteen. Yeah, right. Nine million dollar budget. And it grossed two hundred seventy-nine million dollars. That is like insane. And again, it just proves he still has it. You know, no, exactly. That, that thing that he had, you know, when he made The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable and all these other movies that were really, really popular and and made a lot of money. Yeah. He's still able to do it. Exactly. You no, know? and no one believed in it. No one believed in the visit. No one believed in Split. They made tons of money. Yeah. And, and really. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And really what's selling these films is him. It's his name. Like, that's the thing, too, in this era. He's selling these films with his name. And my Shyamalan film. That's so true. Yeah, and I think it is, yeah, during that part of his career, it was, like you said before, like, him just believing in himself. Like, he only had himself left to kind of believe in what he was capable of doing. 
and yeah, like that, it's it just such like, it's such a beautiful full circle career that like the clout that he built up from the beginning of his career allowed him to kind of push through Yeah. Um, that valley that he had. Yeah. And really come out strong on the other side. Um, so yeah, we'll talk about glass a little bit kind of briefly. Yeah. Uh, what I want to say about glass for me is like the first act of the film, I think is like close to perfect what I would want. Okay. It is. It is absolutely dead on what I would want out of the film. You can talk about it. Yeah, you can talk about it a little bit. This is another one that I have not revisited. Recently. Yeah. My general thoughts, but. And then I'll just, again, kind of talk, because I think there's some context stuff that I think kind of makes what happens with Glass make sense. Right. Um, so, yeah, the opening of the film, like, basically we see some hooligans in Philly beating up some guy, and then the Bruce Willis superhero character takes him out. <laughs> And it's really exciting. It's like, okay, he's like actively superheroing. Hell yes, this is what I wanted. <laughs> and then he brings back the kid from the first movie who was, he was actually a big child actor at the time. He was also in Gladiator. Mm -hmm. um, and it's his adult, he's now an adult. And he's basically the the, the Robin to his dad's Batman. Oh, it's, it's like, it's like, oh my God, I can't, I can't. I, what else could I ask for? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then on top of that, there's a scene where the, the beast takes some cheerleaders and they fight and that fights really oh, good. Okay. That, that scene, I remember really well. That scene stuck. That scene is so good Yeah, because it's so within the universe. Right. You know, and you finally get to see these characters meet and you're like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. And, but it's done in the, again, again, it's done in the M night kind of way where, you know, it's not over the top. Right. But we get the sense that there's there's something there, you know? Like, there's always this, like you were saying, is he just crazy? Does he really have superpowers? Yeah. But we see these guys fighting in it, and, like, you know, at one point the beast is, like, crawling up on the ceiling. Yeah. And he does this, like, backflip off, of off of a wall to get behind Bruce Willis and grab him. And then there's this beautiful shot where the two of them jump out a window and they fall into the fog. Oh, wow. It's, it's like... <laughs> It's like <laughs> I'm telling you that 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 first act is like everything I ever wanted out of this universe. I like, might have it, to go rewatch it tonight. Yeah. <laughs> now, then it gets to the point where people kind of feel strong about it because Are then this you kind of have their colors like behind you. What's happening? The purple. Oh yes, that's true. There's <laughs> like a royal purple and a green. Yeah, yeah. you're right. You're right. You're totally right. But sorry. Um, so yeah, so I just want to talk about kind of just to kind of give you a perspective of like where he was at in terms of like what he was working with in terms of budget side. Because I think that's kind of important when we yeah. talk about Glass. Mm -hmm. So the budget for Split was $9 million, like you talked about. Mm -hmm. The budget for Glass was $20 million. So it was like twice the budget of Split. Yeah. Um, the budget for Unbreakable, which came out in 2000, was $75 million. Right. Okay. So um unbreakable is like basically if you adjust it for inflation it's like like glass is one fifth the budget of unbreakable mm -hmm. and so he's he's basically making indie films and he kind of gave us what he want what we wanted in the first act and then the rest is like they're all at this facility with sarah paulson <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i think that's why and again like what's what's also too is like there's this strong tease about like what if if he if he like made the trilogy at the time 
what we could have gotten, like where he sucks, where the beast sucks. I'm gonna go. We're gonna have a fight in downtown Philly. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm like, oh, dude, I want to see this downtown Philly fight so bad. <laughs> Thank God. Um, and then we get this kind of like you know the ending where everybody dies and people are kind of you know it, it feels a little. I don't know. Subversion of expectations is a term that people uh, have been using when they get mad at stuff. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, but the first act of Glass, I really like it. I, I still like the film, um, mm -hmm. but I think the fact that he, this is kind of, and this film did very well in terms of box office relative to its right. budget. This is kind of like sort of ish the downside of the, the fact that he has to do things so independently now is that, you know, he's not going to get the basically hundred million dollar budget that he got to do Unbreakable uh, anymore, um, but it's still he's still able to, to to deliver a pretty solid film. I mean, Glass is a solid film, and there's a lot of stuff that's like got me really juiced. <laughs> would you Would you ever? This is something I wonder about. Would you want to see him direct like one of the like upwards of a hundred million dollar super movie superhero movies that we're getting today? <sighs> Uh, would I want to see it? Yes. Would I? I think the real question is, would he do it? That's I actually know, the thing. I, I wonder I, if he would do it. I feel like he yeah. is difficult to buy, and he's yeah. so good at—he's so good at doing so much with so little. And I feel yeah. like he, yeah. he just appreciates filmmaking as a craft. Unfortunately, he's one of the few directors that we haven't heard their thoughts on the Marvel universe. Oh, the hot takes? <laughs> um, I know the hot takes, but I, yeah, know, I feel I want to know what it looked like, but I don't know if I'd want it to like really exist. I feel like I'm like corrupting him. I really think that he's, he's not interested, I think, is the way I would put it. Okay. I think. Because I, I feel like, has he done many adaptations? Not, I don't think he's done any. I think he's done almost well, we'll talk about old. Old is one. Old is an adaptation. Old is an adaptation, yeah, oh, of a of a comic book. His daughter gave him a comic book that he adapted. But I think other than that, basically zero. Yeah, I think zero. I mean, there's some. To be honest, there's some accusations. That's the other thing. Like, I there's did, a lot. I did see the accusations, but yeah, none of them turned into much. No, uh, and the thing too is in Hollywood. Um, I mean, there was a famous one, James Cameron, like. He basically said, oh, yeah, I, I watched this. <laughs> he literally said, James Cameron literally said in an interview, I watched this episode of this thing once. And the guy who, it was like some random sci-fi kind of anthology. The guy sued him and the guy got paid because he said that. Oh, he was like, yep, I stole your stuff. <laughs> That's funny. At least basically. And, and so what I'm saying is it's very litigious. And so if, if there's any real legitimate claim, people will sue people and they'll get money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think basically there's a book that's very similar to the village that people have said he ripped off or right. whatever. Like it's, it's very similar. Like it's supposed to be the 1500s. They're in this little place. There's also some color related stuff. Um, and then you find out that they're really actually. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty. Um, yeah, it's a little <laughs> it's, it's a little close, but you know. lucky. again, I don't know. I mean, the stuff with that, there's there's there's. If you look and there's this thing they call it twin films you know it's like armageddon and deep impact right you know there's always similar ideas when you're creating i know and it's so i saw something recently they were talking about like 
we should go back to the time where it wasn't like so taboo to like be inspired by someone else's work and kind of like turn it into your own thing. So that's kind of yeah. how art works. Not to that justify is. someone blatant, like I'm not justifying anything that he might have blatantly ripped off, but it is interesting that no idea is really all that original. Yeah, and and really the the thing that makes any idea interesting is how you execute it, like exactly. the theme and the characters and the plot. Mm -hmm. You know, it, yeah. the twist is not like we've been saying. The twist is not the most interesting part of the movie. Exactly, I know. Yeah, it was kind of yeah, the emotion and the characters. And yeah, do it wrong. Okay, cool. Yeah, and so that gets us to Old, a uh, film that came out in 2021, came out this year. And so, uh, yeah, why don't you uh, talk a little bit about Old? I know you haven't talked about it yet. What are your thoughts on it? What are your feelings? Um, I liked Old a lot. I don't think it was, like, my favorite of his movies by any means. But this was kind of, again, just kind of part of, like, his journey back to, like, being himself and, like, making these films. And... A really interesting premise. It's such like an M Night premise. Mm, yes. Um, what do I think about old? It was just like it was just old, you know. Like it was like this perfect little like hour and a half thriller made by M Night that has his usual like cinematography, like really interesting camera work. Um, I remember you were talking about that in this movie that has like really interesting themes behind it about family and like living in the moment <laughs> it's all it all it makes the entire thing a giant pun but and also just campy like and and this is another i feel like i've touched on this point a million times but a lot of the reviews i've seen of old are like so bad like the dialogue was so bad it's like that's the point he did that on purpose <laughs> like the scene in the beginning when they're in the bus going to the resort and the daughter is singing and she's like you have such a beautiful voice i can't wait to hear it when you're old i was like okay i know exactly what this is about to be and i'm so excited so yeah i loved old i thought it was just a, a little like it was like a little m night treat you know it was quick and it was simple and it was yeah. beautiful and i found it satisfying yeah i i think I think one of the things that's really kind of coming up again a lot that I think is really kind of, I think you're hitting the nail on the head about is like, he does some of these campy things on purpose. And some, I guess some people just don't get it. They still don't get it, mm -hmm. you know? And I if they- fault them. And, and he has said, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Oh, it's, off. it's fine. But he has said that he was like, or oh, no, 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 he actually said this about The Happening, that he was like, I was going for this campy B-movie thing, and I definitely think that I didn't succeed. Like, I think that if people who didn't know it was me, like, couldn't read that kind of satirical aspect of it, then I, like, failed. Um, so I think that's interesting, kind of, like, how how accessible should you make, like, this weird, like, meta approach that you're using with this film, and not a like... And, and not making it required that people know that it's you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's because, you know, we've seen again and again, there's this level of comedy and, you know, I guess bathos, you could even say, mm -hmm. uh, is the term um, that he puts in his films. And like, it's, it's a mainstay of the films that he makes. And in old, I mean, there is some absolutely hilarious, like, yeah, the stuff you're talking about in the opening scene all of these very funny setups where you know from the from the premise of the film that this is like a wink at the audience. Yeah. 
um you know the other scene i'm thinking of is like i mean like the fact that the what was the name of the rapper is like like mid-sized sedan or something yeah. his name. Yeah. <laughs> i know it's like how can you think that he was being serious <laughs> yeah it's like it's a joke um and then like you know when the when the two kids grow up suddenly and then they they're like hand in hand and like hey mommy and she's pregnant but honestly that makes me feel a little better that sorry that um it's an adaptation if he took that from the adaptation because i was like i'm like this is like kind of messed up <laughs> i was like oh my gosh i can't believe he's like implying what he's implying <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah that's that's true in her brain right um yeah uh yeah because i think there is i mean it does play out this is an adaptation of a comic book that he said that one of his daughters gave to him mm -hmm. and i i yeah there is like a child in the um and then in the in the comic book there's a child that's born which is like a crazy part of this plot um yeah, yeah and like a, when we talked about this before like the, the camera work is very interesting i mean it's very like moving cameras and very subjective point of views like where where everything else is kind of blurred out right. um i really like the shot that they do when they try to leave the little part of the island mm -hmm. section of the island um and they just like they can't they like like something is happening in their head it's very effective and very kind of it, it, it's it's out of the box type of thinking it of is. how to show these things subjectively which i really like and that's what makes like 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 another filmmaker making this wouldn't have made the film so dynamic and kept it so interesting because it literally takes place on this one beach for the entire yeah. time and he yeah he's using the camera in such a way that yeah the, the film is constantly moving constantly in the moment um, yeah yeah it's a really interesting film um and yeah i think the thematic stuff is really good in this because it really makes you question like you know um there's there's only so much time you have in your life and you should think about the things that really matter which is like your friends and your family and your loved ones and whoever whoever whatever it is because you know there's this great scene where like you know basically the dad's going blind and the wife can't hear um and then you know then they get into this conflict that they then resolve and then they're the two of them are together they're like why and and basically the plot with them was they were going to get divorced but they haven't told their kids yet and the the husband i think the husband says like why why are we even fighting what were we fighting about right. um and then let's just sit here and enjoy yeah. yeah the familial conflict that he deals with so much yeah and how it's all just kind of um not as important in the grand scheme of things because like if your life was over in a shorter amount of time, if you had half the life that you could have now, those things, a lot of them you throw out the window. You just enjoy the people you really care about instead of thinking yeah. about other things. Exactly. You're so right. Like when they when they really got old and they were kind of like on their last legs and yeah, nothing that happened before even mattered. And they like loved each other and they were just like there together and grateful for each other. Yeah, it was a really, really interesting way to show those themes. Yeah, um, this has some really good actors in it too. I really like Alex Wolf. I love. Um, Alex Wolf. He's gonna yeah, be. He's gonna be huge. Same with Thomason McKenzie. Yeah, Thomason McKenzie is amazing. I really like Abby Lee. She's she's a great actress. Yeah. Um, yeah, Rufus Sewell. He's he's interesting in this. Was that the dad? Yeah, he's the dad. He's the dad who's the uh, what was he? He was like a doctor. Oh, um, that guy. 
Okay, yeah, I'm not familiar with him with like what else he's been in, but he was good. He's been in, yeah, he's been he's been around a while. Um, he's been around a while. Um, yeah, it's it's a really it's a really cool cool cast. And yeah, I thought it was, I, I, there's some things that I really like, again, I, I feel like, like you were just, I, I just think like, if, if I, if there's any one thing I think people take away from this is like, sometimes in my Shyamalan is like trying to be funny and it's supposed yeah. to be campy and a joke and you're just supposed to be in on it. I know that's what it is. Like you're either in on it or you're not, but I also don't want to, as long as you get it, like if, if someone's like, it didn't work for me or like, I don't think he really it came across the way that he wanted it to, that's totally valid. Yeah. Um, but because I like him, I like him as a person and I like him as a filmmaker. So it's kind of just fun to see what he creates, you know, even yeah. when it doesn't always work. I love how present he is in his films and the way that he kind of communicates these things. Yeah, totally. You just gotta, you guys just gotta be in on it. Like we're in on it. Yeah, come <laughs> on guys. Because yeah, I, I watched your <laughs> review the other day. <laughs> what? I watched a review the other day from someone and I think, yeah, they had the similar kind of, they're like, oh, the acting's terrible. And, um, but I still kind of liked it. <laughs> Which, <laughs> they're like discovering M. Night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's a, that's a feature, not a bug. Yeah. Um, Ricky Crepes was great too. Um, forgot to mention her. I think that that's definitely one of his strengths is casting. He yes. like throughout all his films, it does make such a difference. Like Bryce Dallas Howard, Joaquin Phoenix, Mel Gibson, he always nails the casting. It yeah, he nails the casting. Mark I mean, say what you will, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, getting um, Anya Taylor Joy, right? Um, <laughs> get, getting uh, James McAvoy, like yeah, that makes made that movie i mean even though i forget there's another really good Haley lou richardson is actually also in split i think she's good oh. she's a good actress but then you know the the other girls get yeah they get killed <laughs> yeah um yeah so i think this film i think the big thing is like people kind of have certain initial reactions to the type of campiness that he's putting in this film right i think and i think that's why you see this kind of divisive um because they're not really able to read like what he's actually going for um because there is a quality which i like in his films where everything feels very serious you know like mm -hmm. it feels real it feels like these people are taking this thing seriously even though it's a it's a like it's it's a teenager it's like a 20 year old who's got the mind of an eight-year-old holding in the hand of another kid and they're like hey mommy and she's pregnant <laughs> But they're like serious. They're like dead serious in their in their playing that moment. And I think people like they can't read it right, you know? That is such an interesting point that the movie is making a joke, but the characters are taking it so seriously. I think is such a thing that's so unique to him that makes it just kind of elevates that like the like high concept humor. <laughs> it's very deadpan. Like the like the humor is very like I was watching Unbreakable um earlier and there's like this joke that uh that they tell sort of in the middle of the film and it's done very deadpan i mean it's funny like you la like i laughed i was like okay yeah i get it i get it but like sam jackson delivers it like do i think this is funny i don't know <laughs> yeah like is he joking like but he is joking it's a joke you know um yeah and yeah but it, 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 i feel like there's always that tone in his film um 
Right. And that can that can kind of like make people not know how to read it. Exactly. And, and it's, I, it's one of those things where it's like, you know how it's like if you don't like a person, you don't like anything that they do. That, that is like it. It's like, yeah. Even even when I don't laugh out loud, I'm like, okay, I'm not, like I appreciate the effort. Yeah, <laughs> <I'm> having fun. <laughs> that that is so accurate because like yeah, if you don't if you if you have a preconceived notion, the jokes are less funny. Yeah, the things don't work as well. Yeah, so totally. True. Um, totally, totally. Cool. Yeah, I think that covers everything. Is there any other kind of last thoughts or anything else you wanted to say? I don't think so. I'm glad I could talk for almost two hours about how biased I am about his yeah. movies. <laughs> and he has, I think, finished writing his next project, which is super exciting. Who knows when we'll get it, but. Yeah, yeah, hopefully soon. Um, always excited to see whatever he's going to do next. Yeah. Um, yeah, there should be something in the works. I mean, again, at this point, the good thing about for him is like he's he's basically has a lot of control yeah and so he just has to kind of like and like i said he has a lot of clout too he's he's able to get all these really really talented actors to be in his films um people want to work with him and he's got the money to you know finance these films and get them seen in theaters right i, I think with old they were saying that he was one of the first directors to have like a number one film in four different decades wow so yeah so he's yeah so like 90s 2000s 2010s 2020s yeah so it's four different decades so yeah i mean he's still very successful and he's come back from you know the abyss so yeah and i think now that he's kind of on this high again something that's really interesting about him is that like I said, it's kind of like people love to hate him. And so oh, yeah. even if you're not a fan of him, you know that his films are going to be something to talk about and they're going to be zany and interesting and people are going to go see it no matter what, because it's an M night film, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, it's like a big thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like you were saying before, like they're very original. They're very original. Yeah. All of his films. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks again. Thanks, Sydney. Thanks for coming. Yeah, I really, this, this awesome. was so fun. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for having um, me. Yeah, and thanks everyone for uh, checking us out. So, like, you can see her social media is down there. Uh, great follow on Letterbox. I would definitely recommend that. <laughs> great follow on Twitter, and got some good content. I really like your video that you did about like your favorite films of the summer. Yeah, that was there. a fun one. I think I might do. Rankings are fun. I hadn't really done rankings before, but it's cool to just talk about a variety of different films like really quick and hear what other people have to say about what they recommend. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, take care, everyone. Have a good one, and uh, we'll see you again in the future. <laughs> Thanks, Ibrahim. <laughs>